0: No passport required. Hi, this is
1: Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel, right here on News Radio 570, WWNC, and 880 The Revolution. Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been helping people call Asheville home since 1979. And be sure you go to the speakingoftravel.net website. There you'll find links to the Podcasts that have been before, pictures, blog posts. It's a really helpful travel tip kind of place. No passport required. Well, you know, I always wonder when I have people on the show. Why? Why do people leave their homes and begin this life of traveling? I mean, the reasons are so varied and they're so personal. And it just warms my heart when I hear how people have stepped out, made a change, made that choice to leave and just pick up and start anew. And I know for a fact, each and every person I speak with here on Speaking of Travel has a travel story. They have a story of challenge and learning and getting in touch with themselves, appreciating life, relaxing, rejuvenating, celebrating. Travel is All of those things. And what I love about bringing people back on the show as they move on these journeys are the lessons we're learning by listening to their ever-changing experiences. And that person today for the fifth time since beginning her journey is Tess Figlin, an expat journalist now living in Bangkok. Tess, can I call you an expat? Absolutely! Yay! Well, hi and welcome back to the hi. show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Marilyn. Wow! I this know. Time, huh? Yeah, we first
2: spoke in this November. One of things like, uh, like with Saturday Night Live when when they host, they get a special
1: jacket. Do I get a special jacket or something? You're moving in that direction, but maybe it would have to be a sorry, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, exactly. So yeah, we talked back in 2015, and then. Uh, we were in 2016 a couple of times, and the last time we spoke was early this year in January, and here you are now settled into Bangkok. What is going on? Yeah, so I've been in Bangkok now for uh,
2: 16 months. I moved here in mid-April of 2016, so um, I, really, I thought I would be here maybe, maybe two months But I got here, decided I loved the city and loved it as a hub for traveling throughout Southeast Asia, and I still haven't left. (laughs) Well, tell me what you love about Bangkok.
1: What is it? I've heard – you know – But tell me.
2: You know, I I may have said this before, um, but to me it really is uh, kind of the perfect combination of – both available Western comforts. I can find clothes that fit me here. I can find shoes that fit me here. I can find uh, Western foodstuffs. Um, and yet I am absolutely in a foreign country. I do not belong here. I don't fit in. I don't know the language. Um, and I, that's what I thrive on. So it's, it's this great amalgam of culture, and food, um, and, and you know, you you definitely are in Asia. You definitely are not home, and you are definitely not in a Western country. But if I get really, really homesick, you know, if if I am just dying, dying to have
1: Kraft macaroni and cheese, I can get it here. Wow. <laughs> Don't they have <laughs> Slurpees? Didn't we talk about that one time? Was that in Bangkok? Where was that? It was someplace where you were getting Slurpees or... Ices. I don't know. I don't know. So, anyway,
2: yeah, they do do um, they do uh, smoothies here, which is really popular, and it's a much healthier form. <laughs> I think
1: of, of a Seven Eleven slurp. Exactly. Well, give me an idea, Tess, of what it's like for you on this journey, getting up in the morning and starting your day. Yeah. Well, you know, most of the
2: time I am traveling. Um, I would say I spend. Probably two weeks out of every month traveling. Uh, basically, I have visited. Uh, well, I'm I'm leaving for Nepal actually in about 12 hours, um, and that will make 15 countries in 20 months. So, if you average that out, I you know I try to spend at least a couple of weeks wherever I go. So uh, that tells you that I have spent quite a bit of time outside of Bangkok. Uh, But when I am here, I usually get up in the morning and I go to uh, the gym uh, at my apartment or or I go to my favorite exercise class, which is Aqua Spin. They actually have these bikes in a pool. So you do a spin class in a pool, which is fantastic when it's so hot and humid. Um, I've never seen that in the States. They should try it. Uh, And then I'll come back and I'll I'll, I'll have some breakfast and shower. And then I will usually go to a workspace that is a design library uh, at the top of one of the – the numerous, numerous malls that that they have here in Bangkok. And I will either write or I will spend time uh, working on editing photography. Um, Sometimes, you know, I'll spend time on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then usually at night, um, I will either be out with friends or wandering the streets. Uh, Again, sometimes I'll go out and just wander with my camera to try to practice. And uh, then I come home, and usually at night, if I'm not out with friends, then I am watching something from America on Netflix or Hulu or
1: Amazon. Well, you just created your own lifestyle doing anything you want, anytime you want, Tess.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I reiterate over and over how fortunate I am uh, that that is still the case. You know, you and I have talked before about how I've funded this, this adventure, and it's because I sold my house in Los Angeles. Uh, back in 2015, and instead of putting that money in a retirement fund, which I probably should have, uh, I decided that I wanted to go on this adventure, and that is, has, has made it possible for me to do all this travel without uh, having to, to do a lot of work um, and just really essentially give myself a sabbatical and take some time to figure out what I want to do next. Now, at some point, that's all going to come uh, to a head. And I, I will need to, to, to work for a living, uh, but for now, I'm really just enjoying getting
1: to know this entire area of the world. Well, let's just, just to be, clear for the listeners. Give us an idea of where Bangkok is.
2: So Bangkok is uh, smack in the middle of Southeast Asia. If you look at the map, uh, Vietnam is way out on the eastern seaboard on the South China Sea, uh, south of China. Uh, And then right next door, you have Cambodia and Laos, And then, next door to those two, you have Thailand, uh, which also shares a border uh, with uh, Malaysia and Myanmar uh, and also China. Uh, So then, to the west of Thailand, you have uh, Malaysia. And then, south of that, you have Singapore and then Indonesia to that. So that's pretty much the the heart of Southeast Asia there. Uh, A little bit above, you have Bhutan and then Nepal, where I'll be going tomorrow, and then India below that. Um, and Bangkok is, is in—it's it's actually smack in the middle of Thailand, which has a very long tail on it that goes all the way south uh, down to the Malaysia border. Um, and, and, so, and, and then it goes all the way north into the hills up to the China border. So Bangkok is really in the middle of the country, and it is
1: uh, far and away the biggest city in Thailand. Wow. Well— if you ever decide you're ready to get back into doing something else, geography might be right up your alley, Tess. Thank you for that oh, little lesson. It, you know,
2: it's, it's one of the most exciting things. And, you know, when I started to tell people about, you know, diving in the Andaman Sea or, or you know, watching boats out on the South China Sea, I was like, wait, I actually know where all this is Exactly. Are I could not have said that two years ago.
1: Well, when we come back from the break, let's pick up right there. I want to find out more and—, and talk to you about where you're going and what's coming up ahead. Okay. All right, Tess, we'll be back. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel.
0: Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in Western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract Engage and connect with Latino customers.
1: on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979.
0: Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, let me see what spring is like
1: on Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and you're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And remember, if you're looking for a special place here in Asheville, North Carolina, you need to get in touch with my buddies over at Appalachian Realty. You can go to AppalachianRealty.com. They can help you find the perfect little bungalow downtown or a farm out in the country. Whatever floats your boat, you can find it at Appalachian Realty. And remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. Well, joining me today from Bangkok is Tess Vigeland. She has been my guest here four previous times. This is the fifth time. Welcome back, Tess. It's so great having you here.
2: Oh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Marilyn. <laughs>
1: well, I always, I'm feeling like this is our slumber party series since you're like, what, 12 <laughs> hours ahead of us over there? <laughs>
2: Yes, I am literally half a world away and
1: half a day away. Well, it sounds like you're... Half day ahead of you. Yes, it sounds like you're right here. So, Tess, before the break, we were talking about just settling in. You were giving us a little geography lesson on Bangkok and where it is in the (laughs) world and and just what your life has been like since you started this journey. Tomorrow, you're leaving to go to Nepal, and I know that India has been a a favorite place. Let's talk a little bit about your trip to India and, and that kind of life-changing experience that happened down there. Yeah, you know,
2: I've I've wanted to go to India for as long as I can remember, and I decided when I was back home at Christmas um, that this year would be the year to do it, and so in March, I went and spent almost three weeks traveling in the northern part of India, uh, the state of Rajasthan, visited seven different cities, including the large cities of Delhi and uh, Mumbai, formerly Bombay. And then a bunch of the smaller towns, um, uh, as I said, in, in the state of Rajasthan, um, that are really kind of a hop, skip and a jump from one another. They have all, all kinds of uh, short flights that you can take, which is really handy. Um, I thought about taking the train because it's kind of classic for India, but it just takes so long. So I end up I end up doing these short flights instead. But I I was transfixed, bewitched. Um, I mean, you name it, the adjective, I I fell in love with India. And it's interesting because out of all of the countries that I've visited, um, which was at the time, 13, uh, this was the one where when I would tell people that I was going to India, I would constantly, the the very first question people would ask me is, oh, is that safe? Are you going to be safe? Now, this is a question that I get all the time, kind of no matter where I go. Uh, I think that people, for some reason, have this idea that Asia, Southeast Asia in particular, um, and maybe even just South Asia, are dangerous places. And my argument is always, look, I can get hit by a bus anywhere. Um, and frankly, I can get shot in a movie theater in the States. So I really don't, I don't, I don't worry about my safety that much. Um, if I did, then I, wouldn't, then I wouldn't be a good traveler. Now I don't go to war zones, and I don't put myself in stupid situations. But I just generally believe that you know, 95 to 98 percent of the world population is good people. So, uh, so I was going into India, really not thinking about safety at all. Now, yes, Delhi is a huge, crowded, chaotic city with a lot of violence. Um, but you know, I just made sure that I avoided getting myself into a situation where that would be a problem. Um, and I tell you, I have never once, never once since December of 2015, when I left the States, I have never once felt threatened. I have never felt once that my life was in danger or that someone was going to try to get something over on me. Um, now, part of that is I, I walk with an air of confidence, and I think that's really important for you to do anytime you're traveling. Um, but... You know, it it just isn't something that, that I tend to worry about. So, with setting that aside, uh, again, the most common question that people would ask me, um, I found India to be just fascinating. It is easily the most colorful place I've ever been, more royal blues and purples and jewel greens and yellows and reds that, I mean, the whole country is just one giant rainbow. And the people are so open and friendly and wonderful. And I was trying to think when I got back to Bangkok and, and had just fallen in love with India, I was like, why, you know, why is it that I had such... And it's such an amazing experience there. Now, I, I mean, I've fallen in love with many places, but India took the cake for me. Um, and what I realized was, and this makes total sense when you think about it, they speak English.
1: Hmm.
2: Uh, at least the men do. Uh, the women, uh, not so much. Uh, they are not taught English. The men are. Uh, but when you are able to speak the language where you're visiting. It just makes all the difference in the world. And I, I, you, know, you and I are friends on Facebook, so you may have seen a couple of the stories that I wrote um, about experiences that I had there, including being invited to a, a family home out of the blue, totally randomly after sitting in a town square. Um, and that kind of thing just hasn't happened to me necessarily elsewhere. And again, I think that's because you have a common language that helps break down a lot of barriers. But India is a place that I think everyone should visit. Yes, there is violence. Yes, there is deep, deep poverty that is disturbing. Yes, there are garbage dumps on the streets. Yes, you will share the streets with camels and elephants and small children who have nothing, no clothes on. All of that can be very disturbing when it's not something you're used to. Maybe I'm fortunate that I had already seen a lot of poverty in places like Laos, Vietnam. So it's not that I've become a to it, but it doesn't, it doesn't bother me as much. I see it as a fact of life in this part of the world. And it's, a, it's an unfortunate fact of life, but it is uh, what it is. And um, so, yes, all of those things exist. But there's also a beauty to a country like India that is— so open and warm and engaging and welcoming. They, they were so happy to see visitors. And I really would encourage people to think about going, despite what you've heard, despite what any fears you might have, it is a beautiful, beautiful, welcoming country. And so I'm going back. I was just there in March for almost three weeks. And I'm going to go to Nepal tomorrow for about a week, and then I'm going to India after that. And I don't know how long I'm going to be there. It's totally open-ended. It may be one week, two weeks. It might be a month.
1: Wow. Well, I do remember seeing those stories on social media tests, and the one that really just moved me. They all—all all your stories were moving, and and I want to put in a just a little plug about your photography because when you talk about those. Beautiful colors. You are so gifted in being able to to share those through your camera lens with us. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank absolutely. You so that means thank a lot. thank you. And the story of uh, meeting this man on the street with his wife, and he's talking to you, yes. and then inviting you uh, to their home, and those wonderful pictures of you, this tall blonde woman with these beautiful people, <laughs> just was so heartwarming.
2: It was easily the most extraordinary experience of of all my travels. Um, A close second would be an experience I had in Indonesia with some young people who were interviewing me to practice their interviewing skills, uh, to practice their English skills. But in India, this was in a town called Jodhpur, and it's uh, out in western Rajasthan, and it's famous for uh, an area of the city that is all blue. Uh, But I was sitting on my very first night there um, underneath a clock tower in the center of town. And I was basically just watching the world go by. Uh, The battery had died on my camera, so I wasn't even taking pictures at that point. And I was just sitting there. It was starting – the stone was starting to go down, and this man comes and sits next to me. And, you know, I've gotten kind of used to that a little bit where a man will come and sit next to you and he'll kind of flirt with you and talk with you. Well, this guy – this guy seemed a little different. He, he kind of wanted to know who I was and what I was doing. He asked if I was alone, which always annoys me. Yes, clearly I'm alone. And, oh, are you lonely? No, no, I'm fine. Thank you. But then we really just started engaging in a conversation. And then I eventually realized that his wife was sitting next to him. She did not speak English, but she kept looking and smiling. And then he starts asking me, he starts saying that he would be honored if I would come to, to their home for dinner and meet their family. And I think, no, 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 thank you. That's, that's very kind. And, of course, going through my head is, well, you know, I could go, but then what if I never, never return? You know, I mean, you see, I like to think that I'm a good judge of character, but you never know with these things. Anyway, long story short, uh, after about an hour talking with him, uh, I finally relented and said, you know what? I'm just going to go. What's the worst that can happen? You know. Well, I suppose there is a the worst that could happen, but I just don't believe it will. And I ended up going to their home later that night and spending it was two or three hours there. They made dinner for me. Uh, there were 12 people living in their home. The entire family was there. Um, I met the matriarch and the patriarch of the family, and it was. I, I, I get choked up even just mm-hmm. talking about. It was really moving, and it was it, it was one of those things that I will take with me for the rest of my life mm. that you can trust people and you can go to their homes when they invite you to dinner, and you can have a conversation with them because they are just like you they are every, we are all the same worldwide we are all the same, we all want the same things we all, we all care for the same things we all care for the for the globe. Um and it was you know, it was something that also just taught me again the lesson I've learned over and over and over again, which is to say yes.
1: Just say yes. Yep, and don't postpone joy. That's yes. you gotta do it. Well Tess, when we come back from the break, let's pick up right there. I wanna talk about oh, you have so many rich stories to share with us and and you're moving me. So thank you. <laughs> You. We'll be back right after the break. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. is on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979.
0: Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit olacarolina.com and transform how you attract, Engage and connect with Latino customers. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, let me see what spring is like on...
1: Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Be sure to visit Appalachian Realty if you're coming to Asheville and you're looking for a place to live. They can help you out. That's AppalachianRealty.com. And be sure to go to the speakingoftravel.net website. There you'll find the Sign-up sheet for the Speaking of Travel Travel Club. There's going to be a newsletter going out. We're going to do some engaging. Hopefully, we'll do some trips, maybe even going to visit Tess. Tess Figgel, and she's talking to us today from Bangkok. Welcome back to the show, Tess. Oh, thank you. Please come visit. I know. Wouldn't that be great? Just get a group of people together and come over, and you can be our tour guide. How about that? (laughs) Uh, I I would love it. It's a deal. Let's plan it. Okay. So, Tess, (laughs) before the break, we were talking about your, uh, your travels, your trip to India, a wonderful story about the family that you met. And I think, you know, overall, what we have to remember is that People are fundamentally good people that 's the human being nature of people and yet you know for all these years, for whatever reason uh, there 's just been a lot of noise a lot of um, a lot of chaos even around uh, recognizing that people are people everywhere in the world you're you 've become something of an ambassador for us to kind of pioneer what's going on out there in the world and and bring it back to us through your beautiful words and stories and, and your lovely photos. What, what do you think about all that?
2: Yeah. I mean, if, if, if that is what I'm doing, um, if that's what's coming through, then I could not be happier because you're so right. And I think particularly in America, we, And, you know, I don't know when it started, but I feel like if you consume local news, especially local television news, you wouldn't even believe that your neighbors are good people. Because all you ever see is violence and chaos and, you know, uh, police sirens. And it's, it's just sad because, yeah, that may be what gets your eyeballs to stay on the television, but that's not reflective of our society as a whole. And I think that goes the same for international news. When you see, even when you read what's in the newspapers, you know, it's mostly about chaos and violence and not about just the good people who do good things on a daily basis. And to me, that is quite possibly the saddest thing that I could ever imagine because if that keeps people from not even just visiting abroad, but visiting neighboring states, you know, I mean, there's been oh, there's been so much written about violence in Chicago over the last like year or so. Chicago is a fantastic city. Fantastic. I went to school there and I just don't believe that if I went to Chicago, I would die. <laughs> But if you read the news or watch the news, that is certainly the sense that you would get, right? Right. And, you know, I, I think that's the same thing that people, you know, read and hear about perhaps a place like India. And, yes, again, I will, I will not say that it's an easy place to be. It is not. It is tough to see the poverty. It is horrifying to see the, the garbage piled up on the side of the streets. But at the same time... What you're also seeing is kindness in people's eyes and all the color in in the clothing that they wear that provides an enormous sense of joy just driving around the streets, just walking around the streets. The food is incredible. The music is beautiful. And you have to get past all the the rest of it. You used a really good word. It's the noise. You have to get past all that. And I think the more you travel, the more you realize that all of that is just noise. And you learn to love a place for what it is, not because of how different it is from what you're used to, but because it just is what it is. And you learn to respect that, and you learn to love the culture, and you realize again and again and again that the world is not a horrible, dangerous place it is a beautiful, accepting, warm place, and you—you just—you you get proof of that everywhere you go.
1: Well, you know, like I was saying when I when I opened this show today, is uh, you know, over the last four and a half years, I've talked over. Two hundred and fifty people about travel, and the reasons that they travel are so varied. They're so personal, personal, and yet everybody has discovered that they recognize people are people. That wherever they go, um, they you talk about respect. They they learn if they if they aren't already they rise up to a level of respect. I just spoke to a group of high school students last week uh, who are telling stories to each other all over the world uh, to learn empathy. You know, Mm, we have to be able to uh, to look at that fundamental goodness in people. And and if we have to teach empathy, then let's start when when we're children. And if you can't start there, let's start now.
2: Yes. And, you know, one of the one of the if I'm evangelizing um, and and I, you know, I I think I do quite a bit, um, (laughs) then I I would say one of one of the one of the things that I preach more often than anything else is that I want parents to send their kids abroad. Um, If we if every child spent even six months outside of North America, I think we would have a different world. I really do. Um, and, you know, obviously uh, money becomes a factor. Not everyone can afford to do that. But, you know, I, I think it would be a public good to make that at least an option, a possibility for, for every child out there. Because when you visit a place that you're not used to, first of all, it's going to give kids all kinds of confidence that they wouldn't otherwise get. Um, just because they have to function somewhere that's unfamiliar to them. And second of all, I think it just makes you a global citizen. And that, you know, that takes that goes all the way to the ballot box. And I really just cannot emphasize enough how important it is. And, you know, I I don't know what age that should happen. I would say if it can, whatever age it can happen, let it happen. But I wish that I had uh, taken a gap year. Uh, between, either between high school and college or between college and starting my career um, and gone abroad at that point. Now, I love what I'm learning now, but I think that the earlier you start with that kind of education, um, I, I think that makes you a better potential employee. And it certainly makes you a better global citizen. Um, so parents, if you're listening, send your kids or go with them. Take them somewhere outside of what they know.
1: Absolutely. And and I'm a big Fan of that myself, and have interviewed children who have been fortunate enough to to go abroad with their parents, taking some big adventures. But also, I've interviewed people who um, have taken road trips with their parents to L.A. from Appalachia, uh, going down Route sixty six, and had their whole Absolutely. world changed. Yes. So yes. you know when and, we're, yeah. when. When we're out there preaching, we need to make sure everybody knows just take off in your backyard.: Yes, absolutely. Just take off <laughs> just, just take off. Somewhere. Start where you yes. are. exactly. Yes. Well, there's sure. going to be a lot of travel around this uh, solar eclipse going on. Is that you know that's big news over here in the u s right now. Yes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I've I've seen that. It's all over social media. In fact, one of my former colleagues in public radio has actually written a book about solar eclipses through history. So... um it's been fun to watch watch that book fly out, uh, but you know it's it, it's really not news here because none of that is happening. Exactly. <laughs> well, I heard somebody say I, the other day. I know in, in my in my home state of Oregon, they're preparing for yeah something like under two million people. Oh, I know <laughs> exactly.
1: I heard somebody say the other day. I, I wish I was the one doing the marketing for this big American eclipse. <laughs> 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 well, listen, Tess. When we come back from the break, let's start. Let's talk a little bit about layovers. I, All right. I've had a few myself, and uh, you know that can be quite fun. So it can be. I've yeah, learned. I want to hear. All right. Well, I'm with Tess Figlin. We're here on Speaking of Travel. I'll be back right after the break.
0: Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in Western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit olacarolina.com and transform how you attract Engage and connect with Latino customers.
1: Office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979.
0: Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, let me see what spring is like on...
1: Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball, your host, right here on News Radio 570, WWNC, and 880, The Revolution. And remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. Well, speaking of the whole wide world, I'm here with Tess Figlin. We're talking, she's talking to us from Bangkok, the other side of the world. Welcome back, Tess. Thanks, Marilyn. So here we are. We're, We're moving into our, uh, my goodness, you've been on this journey for a while. Let me ask you something. How would you define, you know, when I introduced you, I didn't introduce you this time as a former host of Marketplace on NPR and didn't yeah. tell a lot of your story of writing a book called Leap and how wonderful that was to um, have your name in print and out right. there and then packing up everything and leaving. I introduced you as an expat. What uh, exactly would you, what does that mean, an expat journalist?
2: Well, um, you know, the, I suppose you could also potentially call me an immigrant. In fact, there, uh, about a year ago, there was uh, a blog post um, where someone was criticizing the whole, uh, the, basically the word expat, expatriate, um, and saying that we wouldn't apply that to people who weren't white. Um, the, you know, the notion being that everyone else is called an immigrant. Mm. Um I would actually argue uh, against that. Um, I know plenty of he- expats here in Bangkok who are not white. Um, in fact, most of my friends here are not white, and they consider themselves expatriates. Um, now, uh, so that, just a sidetrack there, but um, in terms of what I call myself, you know, I guess I'm. What am I? I'm a wanderer. I'm I'm a traveler. Um, I am an expatriate, but I think more than that, uh, you know, just by dint of not living in the United States, I'm an expatriate. But I'm a wanderer. You know, mo- most of the travel that I do uh, is not super planned, it's uh, often last minute. I didn't buy my ticket to Nepal until last week, um, and I only have. You know, the first couple of days planned, and then after that, I'm just going to go by the seat of my pants and so what sounds interesting, and that's how I travel. So I'm, I'm really more of a wanderer than anything else, and that really surprises me because my entire life I've been a planner. So uh, this, this is a full-sale change, uh, almost a change of personality for me. Um, And I'm loving it so far.
1: Well, I'm loving it, too, Tess. So keep on doing what you're doing. (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit about layovers, because uh, as we were talking about, um, you know, you're traveling here and you're traveling there and you're going through airports and and people sometimes forget that an airport is kind of like a little island. It's like a little country all by itself.
2: Absolutely, um, and especially some of the better ones here in Southeast Asia. Uh, in fact, Southeast Asia Asia in general has some of the best airports in the world. Singapore, uh, Tokyo, uh, even Taiwan, all really great airports. And one thing that I have learned to do over the last year and a half is that I will often try to schedule myself, particularly if I'm um, going back across the Pacific, uh, I did this twice. I did this uh, last November, and I did it again in June when I made a surprise trip to a uh, trip to surprise my parents um, the first time last November, I scheduled myself a long twenty four hour layover in Seoul, South Korea and you know, most people don't want, don't think they want a long layover, right? You want the shortest layover you can possibly get because you don't want to spend time in the airport. Well, sometimes, as with Seoul, the airport is fascinating and they even have shows that you can go to. Um, they have art galleries that you can visit. So even if you have less than 24 hours, you can still spend time in the airport and have a really nice time. Um, I, however, really have now... Learned to give myself very long layovers uh, 24 hours in Seoul was incredible um, I went and spent the night in the city um, Unfortunately, I didn't realize how cold it was going to be uh, So I, I was dressed for Thailand, but I was in Seoul, which was very very chilly But I had a wonderful evening wandering around eating street food watching um, You know the high school kids hang out on a Friday night. It was it was fantastic and it made me want to go there again um, now, most recently in June, I on the way back to the United States, I scheduled myself uh, 12 or 13 hours in Taipei, in Taiwan, and there again, it was enough time to get out of the airport, go into the city. I visited a whole bunch of places. I visited the Chiang Kai-shek Memorial. I visited their um, Independence Plaza. I had. An, ridiculous number of soup dumplings (laughs) before i left Uh, and i even did some shopping and i think that i've probably had enough of taipei 12 hours was was good maybe i would go back and see other parts of taiwan but it was great to get a flavor for an entirely different country um and so now i really see layovers as opportunities And in fact, I'm going to Jordan in November, and on the way back, I'm going to make sure that I have a layover in Dubai, because I've heard actually that that airport is essentially a city unto itself. Uh, so I may not even have to go into Dubai to get a taste of Dubai. But layovers can, can be a real friend. And a lot of airports these days even have showers that you can use and, and lounges and, and things like that. So it's, it's worth considering.
1: I love that idea. I actually did that one time on the way to South Africa. We did a layover in Amsterdam. Now that was a oh. lot of fun. 24 hours in Amsterdam. <laughs> On the Very way to South cool. Africa, it was uh that was quite a journey. Well, Tess, as we wrap up our our time here, I know it's getting time for you to go to bed and get ready for your big trip to Nepal. I right. again, I I want to thank you for um just doing what you're doing. I mean, it's funny. You're living your life doing your journey thing, and I'm here saying, hey, thanks for doing that, Tess. <laughs> That's a big help for me because we get to live kind of vicariously through your journeys and your, uh, your travels and your stories. And, and again, you know, your photography, you must be having so much fun having that camera with you.
2: Oh, I do. It's, it's really never far from my body. Um, and thank you so much for the kind words. And, you know, I tell you, if, if, that, if that is the case, if I, am, if I am taking people vicariously on this journey with me, that makes me so happy because there is nothing I want more than for people to come and visit this part of the world. Um, it is an undervisited part um, by by Americans, and I I just can't speak enough for it. It is beautiful. The people are fantastic, warm, friendly, and the food in this part of the world is outstanding. Um, so I, I I love that that's the case. That I can take people on the journey with me, um, and and I welcome them to to join me. You know, come come see me on. I don't I don't spend much time on Twitter anymore, but I am on Instagram. Mm-hmm. My first and last name, Tess Vigland. Um and join me on Facebook like, like Marilyn has. Um I'd be happy to send me a friend request
1: and I'd be happy to say yes. And, and spell you your last name so up. everybody knows how to how to find you. Sure. It's V as in Victor I G E L A N D. Got it. And then you have a website
2: too, right? I do, yeah. My website is called Tess Untethered uh, because I basically, when I left the States, I untethered from <laughs> my entire life
1: <laughs> to, to go and live abroad. So
2: it's com.
1: Gotcha. Well, now this is your entire life. So it is. I would say you <laughs> you've, you've, Spread the wings, Tess. What what better way I to have. look at it? <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show today, and I look forward to doing it again. Next time, we'll thank have you. even more places that you've been and more people you've seen. That's right. So, yes, I can't wait. Well, you have a wonderful trip to Nepal, to India, to Jordan. We'll keep up with you on your website. And be safe, be happy, and, and thanks again. Thank you, Marilyn. It's always a pleasure. All right. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel, talking to Tass Viglin. And I want you to go out and and try something new this week. Go, uh, you know, take a trip just 30, 40 minutes from where you live and eat some food that you've never eaten before. And remember, as you start planning for what you want to do in the future, remember, don't postpone joy.